everybody. I'm Mika. We are going to be talking about diagnosis stories and the will and desire to keep going and what moves us. As you know, this podcast is F Illness. It's all about what you do despite your illness to keep going because you have a choice. And that's really what it is at the end of the day. So I'd like to introduce who we have today. We have Bridget and Michael. Hi. Bridget, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background, how you got to where you are as far as where you are in your illness and kind of like what's going on. Okay. Um, so I was actually born completely healthy. Um, it wasn't until I was about 13 I started showing um, signs for, it was actually kind of just flu symptoms. It wasn't anything major. I was just kind of had a cough, fever. Um, I was throwing up a lot. And, um, it, I was going to my pediatric all the time, but they couldn't really figure out what was going on. It was just kind of like kidney stones, asthma, the flu, like pneumonia, pretty much band-aids over everything that was happening. It wasn't until I went into the ER on uh, the day after Thanksgiving and within a half hour, my labs were just red flags across the chart. The doctor, I remember walked in, had a ghost face and was just like, you're in kidney failure. But I was 13, so at the time I was like, oh yeah, like give me my antibiotic, like I can go home now. I had no idea what that was. So I was admitted into the hospital. I was there for a month doing, um, I had an autoimmune disease that I was diagnosed with called good pasture syndrome. And that um, is what caused my kidneys to fail. So I also had water in my lungs and water in my brain. I was on chemotherapy, plasmapheresis, dialysis. Um, I was on treatment for about a year for my autoimmune disease, and I had to wait for that to go into a full remission, and I had to wait an extra six months until I could get active on the transplant list, so they made sure it wouldn't attack my new kidney. And then, um, so after three years of dialysis, um, I finally got my call, and I got my kidney um, June 13, 2013, and I'm six years post-transplant, and I haven't had any major problems. I hit slight rejection um, about three years ago, but absolutely no problems since. My kidney's been doing amazing, so awesome. I'm great so far with the kidney. Awesome. I'm so happy to hear Good that. Good deal. Good yes. deal. And Michael, what's up with you? Well, my um, first son, like Bridget, grew up healthy, been an athlete my whole life. Um, and if I could go back, the first time would be in high school, but I didn't know it. Every year we had football physicals. Um, I would show protein in my urine, but coaches didn't know they're not educated. I wasn't. You know, I'm I'm in high school, and they just wanted you. They just wanted you to play. Yeah. Um, fast forward in 2002, I was living in New York City, and I used to have hair, um, woke up and my hair was, was on my pillow in patches. Um, had no idea what was wrong. I knew I was getting fatigued a lot, um, but just thought, hey, I'm overtraining um, or whatever. And went from doctor to doctor, finally went to a dermatologist and he took a biopsy of my scalp um, where the patches were, the hair would come and go. Um, and diagnosed me with discoid lupus. Um, and he said it could over time become internal and intact organs. Right. But put me on high doses of prednisone and it kind of calmed it down. Um, I was on Plaquenil. Um, 
from 2003 until August 10th, 2000, August 12th, 2017, I was at my son's football practice and just felt kind of fatigued and, and worn out and wasn't feeling well. Um, I shouldn't have gone. When I came home, I was completely out of it. I remember waking up in the emergency room um, and they told me that my kidney function was, was off or something with my level. Still didn't understand, you know, kind of left it alone. Um, went to Emory. I'm in South Carolina. Went down to Emory. When I got to Emory, they told me if, well, they told my mom and my wife, if I would have waited 48 hours, that I would have been dead. Um, so they kept me there for about five days, got better, um, came back to South Carolina. A um, little while later, same thing happened, had to rush to the emergency room locally, um, and they started me on emergency dialysis um, there. Um, I was on dialysis for nine months. Um, it felt like forever being so active and not still not completely understanding um, why healthy all the time and, and why no one really just explained it all still um, yeah. until they told me, okay, you need, you're healthy enough. You can get on to the transplant list. So I was on dialysis for nine months and actually um, one of our patient's moms, my wife and I have a pediatric dental practice. One of our patient's moms asked my wife, well, where's your husband? I haven't seen him. Um, she said, well, he's home on dialysis. I was doing PD then nine hours at night. Um, and she said, well, what can I do? Um, she went and got tested. I had friends, my wife, old ex-teammates go. No one was a match. Um, I have no brothers and sisters, so mother's too old. Um, I was registered at MUSC um, here in South Carolina in Charleston and at Piedmont in Atlanta. She went to MUSC first. Um, it came back. They said, yeah, she's a man. You know, next Wednesday, you're going to have your transplant. Wow. Very next day, they called back and said, oops, we made a mistake. So my emotions went from uh, here to here in 24 hours. Yeah. Um, they said because she had a kidney stone. So they couldn't. So I was down. My donor's name is Samantha. So kidney Sammy said, well, where else are you rich? I said, well, Piedmont. I said, look, you've gone through so much you know, test, I still wasn't educated enough. If they said no, so would Piedmont, don't go. She went anyway. Um, so about three weeks, three and a half weeks later, Piedmont called and said it's a go. That they would just flush the kidney stone out. And I had my transplant May 25th, 2018. Wow. So oh, I, wow. guess I'm the I guess I'm the baby out of the bunch. <laughs> but you all inspired me. So and Michael, how old are you? I'm 44. Don't mind me asking. <laughs> no, four, 44. And um, the kidney transplant made my 14th surgery. Um, I had a lot of complications that went back to the lupus that I didn't know that we connected right. after. Yeah. Um, lupus can attack tendons, weakened yeah. tendons. So I ruptured both quad tendons. Um, so they had to reattach all four of my quads again. Um, both tricep tendons and 
fell asleep driving because of the weakness and I fractured and I have a fusion of C2 broke my neck. So, but I'm still here to- okay. Still it. here, still here. <laughs> and Bridget, how old are you? I'm 23. And you had your transplant at what age? I was 16. Wow. That's wow. Amazing. Yeah. So we've all talked a little bit and the short version of my story is I was born with small kidneys. I have several like birth defects, a few different things, and one with small kidneys. And they kind of paid attention to it. And then when I was seven, I had uh, a UTI and a bladder infection and all of that. And then when they thought the bladder infection was gone, they were like, hey, good news. It seems like your kidneys are now like the appropriate size for your age. So no worries. So nobody paid attention to it after that. And then when I was 14, I was having like a routine physical and they found protein in my urine. And someone's like, did they ever tell you you have kidney problems? I'm like, wait, this like whole time. Yeah. We were like, oh, things are fine. We didn't have to worry about it. Nope, it was still there. And then so I saw a pediatric nephrologist and they're like, yeah, you have, you know, limited kidney function and all that. We're going to track it, but just be prepared that eventually they're going to fail. Because at that time I was like 14, 15. Yeah. One kidney is the size of a small seven-year-old child's kidney. The other was the size of a small 12-year-old child's kidney. So mm. obviously as you get older and bigger, you're, you're going to need, yeah. Up, right. And you're going to build more. Right. Of course. And so I moved to California when I was 18. I was like, well, I'm still going to live my life. I'll find it <laughs> yeah. I'm not letting it stop me, whatever. And then when I was like 19, 20, it started failing. And then I started dialysis. And I did in-center hemo. Um, and then I'd gone back to Seattle just, you know, because I didn't know what was going to go on. Like, this was all new. Like, same kind of thing. Like, nobody, you know, people just tell you bits and pieces. You do tons of research. But especially right. if I'm through, as you guys know, you're like, I don't know what's happening. I'm just... Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And so I went back to Seattle and, you know, stayed at my mom's house. And originally I wasn't... I was just going to, you know, I got listed and all that. And I wasn't going to do a living donor because I was just like, it'll be fine. Whatever. But it was just so much harder for me to watch my grandmother lives this too. And like every time I come home from dialysis, it was like I was white. I barely made it to the couch yeah. and that was it. Yeah. I was like, move until the yep. next day. Yep. yep. Grandma food. My mom would come home. And just like the look on their faces, like, was so devastating for me that like I was finally like, all right, fine. Cause my mom wanted to donate to me. And so oh, yeah. she got tested and all of that. And it had worked out. And so my mom donated to me when I was 21. And oh so my gosh. Wow. 12 and a half. It'll be 14 in May. Oh um, my gosh. And so, and actually, so speaking of like, <clears throat> you know, keep trying and all of that, they originally denied me and denied my mom her transplant. Mm -hmm. I really? Because I was 19. I had a doctor out in California when I came here that was okay-ish, but I was on a medication to help trying to like slow the blood flow to my kidney to try to preserve function and you know, whatever that I, we had thought I had a reaction to. So I was taken off of it from my doctors in Seattle. When I found this new doctor, I was like, Hey, listen, this is what we were doing. I'd love to do something to try to preserve as much function as I can. And his yeah. answer was basically, well, your kidney's going to fail anyway, so there's no point. So at that point, I was like, cool, you suck. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Right. Bye. Right. Bye. Even if it's six more months, dude, I'm 19. Like, yeah. I want to do whatever I can. Have some compassion. Right. Something. Right. Yeah. Anyway, so between that 
And some other things, the transplant team was concerned that I was non-compliant because <laughs> I was young and I was doing all that stuff, whatever. Um, yeah, I was drug tested every three months. <laughs> really? Yes. Being young, the whole different wow. process. They don't trust me. But also, like, yeah. one of the coordinators had told me, because they denied me. They straight up denied me for transplant. They're like, we do not approve you. And he was like, listen, here's the other part of it. And he told me on the phone, he's like, <clears throat> we just had a 19-year-old get a transplant. And she went out and she just partied and drank and did whatever. So her kidney failed. Yeah. Like, yeah. So they yeah. are now really concerned about younger transplant patients and being careful. So right, you know, right. politics and funding and all that. Anyway, my mom raised hell somehow. I don't know what she did. Like, I don't even remember. But she got them to agree that if I saw a psychiatrist or psychologist, my nephrologist and someone else for three months and did whatever they said, and they all wrote a letter saying I was compliant, then they would transplant. Oh, yeah. So I had to like shut my mouth for three months and just say really? whatever. That, yep. And then like as far as my mom, they had denied her because her kidney was small and because she had cysts on her kidney. But she got them to reconsider and they're like, well, listen, you're small too. Just don't become heavy. <laughs> and like, we'll do it. So it's like, it's that same thing that's like so interesting to hear. Like Michael, what you were talking about, about, you know, kidney Sammy and all that. It's like, you don't know until you start like, having to keep right. Training, right you can't just right. take the first no or the first detour yeah Bridget you've experienced that a lot yeah <clears throat> sorry <laughs> um but I it was I was lucky because when it came to my transplant I I mean I didn't get a living donor I got a deceased donor but um I my calls I waited uh it was three years but I was lucky because once I was activated it wasn't until my fourth, it was my fourth call, but it wasn't, you know, much, but that was my original call that, or my fourth call was the one that I got was my kidney. My right. three other ones, it was problems on problems, but, um, yeah, it's still, you know, I, um, it was, it was worse. They were still worried and I, it was still all day long. I remember like when they called me, it was like seven in the morning and we were like, Oh yeah. Like we have the kidney, like it's ready for you. But they were like, yeah, you can literally be in the OR and they will say no, like yeah. you won't, you know, you mm. won't be able to get the kidney. And I was like, no, like I'm going to get this, like whether I put this in myself or not. So <laughs> like, this is happening. We packed our bags at 8am and they called us at 10pm. We were literally like my mom and I, we were just it was the, I, I mean, I, it was so funny because there wasn't an ounce of like worriness and I'm sure you guys obviously can relate. It was, you know, there was no like, Oh my gosh. Like it was like, no, my life is on that other side and I'm ready to jump. Like I was but similar with you. Um, I, with the, um, same psychiatrist, the amount of testing with pediatric patients. Oh my goodness. I had to see psych. I had to go to this, um, this horrible, it was like a group, um, a group, and they wanted me to do group therapy with kids my age, but it was through Loma Linda out here in uh, SoCal, and the group that they had me going to was sadly full of, there was, I think, only two actually, like, sick patients, but it was right across from the Behavioral Health Center, so a lot of the kids were suicidal. They had their, uh, you know, I was sharing and, you know, two others were sharing about our illnesses. And then you had people that were 
you know, one girl jumped off her uh, school stairs, like her, like her balcony or, and there was just this horrible stories, but I had to sit through this for, I think, um, I was doing therapy for about nine months. It was three times a week and it was three hours a day. I had to go after dialysis. So I had four hours of dialysis and I had to go to my therapy afterwards. So oh, it was... Uh, I remember we had, yeah, every morning it was kind of like my mom and I would pack our lunches. We would, you know, get our day set and we would spend all day out there in Loma Linda. And it was, it's sad because, I mean, it's understandable. She said it was, you know, they always told the stories of there's many kids that get their transplant and they go crazy, you know, because they're so excited. They just party and they go wild. It's completely understandable. But um, it was, you know, it was really hard because, you know, I was a kid and I wasn't doing anything. I was spending my all time at the hospital. I'm like, I don't have a chance to sleep. <laughs> I never but, knew this aspect of the, of the pediatric part, the psychiatric. I, I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't know how different I, it was either. I was on the support groups and I was kind of realizing there was so many different, um, like factors for pediatrics and adults, as well as um, I heard that there was a stress test that adults have to go through for transplant, and I didn't have to go through a stress test. Right, right. So I'm sure that um, you know, and I I forgot all the all the things, but I was like interviewed many times by my transplant team. They were worried about so many problems. I can't even remember the lists of things they had me to do, but. Um, yeah, I think probably the therapy, I can definitely relate to, yeah, what you said. It was, it was like, all right, honestly, and it was to the point where I was seeing so many therapists and I was scared to actually tell them how I was feeling because I didn't want Ward to get out like, oh my gosh, wait, she's, she's having a bad day, so she might not be compliant. So I was literally like, right. no, yeah. I'm perfect. No. I'm happy. <laughs> I am so great. <laughs> you bring up wow. I, I had no idea. Yeah. I didn't have to go through any of that. Um, so that's interesting to me like and I'm curious what your both of your experiences are even separate from like you know Brid Bridget you have to go through therapy too but like there's a double-edged sword in being a patient with this issue specifically but in general right like and we've learned the whole non-compliant thing and all of that yeah. but like yeah there's this weird line of you don't know you want to be honest with your doctors but then you're scared because you don't know what thing they're going to choose exactly. to you and hold against you. And you're like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do because it's also your health. So you exactly. have to be right? Because you want the best care. And then you're like, but wait a minute. If I say one wrong thing, what if they get the wrong idea? Yes. Right. Yeah. And so like, how do you navigate that? What do yeah. you get? I, so, Okay. <laughs> During my therapy, I was open about my childhood and just everything about, you know, growing up, obviously, I don't think any child has ever not had, you know, parents that fought and everything. So when I opened up about my family life, my psychiatrist called CPS. What? <laughs> yes. They opened up this whole case. My mom, I literally quit her job and everything to take care of me. And they put this whole file open that my mom was, I don't, I, I don't even remember what it was, but they came over and ha I think they came over twice and had to like check the household, make sure it was safe, make sure she wasn't hurting me. It was, it was insane. Yeah. So 
I wow. think it was, I couldn't even open up to my psychiatrist. I couldn't open up. And it was crazy too, because, you know, I had my, my nephrologist and all my several other specialists that were following, following me. So my mom bringing me to all my appointments and everything. But it was crazy because this psychiatrist that we were seeing, she would break down in all of our meetings. She would start crying in all of our meetings. And I would explain that to my mom. And she's like, that's, that's not normal for a psychiatrist. They're not supposed to cry like while you're talking to them. So it was a very unhealthy, not good. I think this lady was obviously something was not right there, but she definitely, um, it skewed my whole, uh, you know, idea of going and getting, you know, therapy or anything, because that whole process was insane. It was, you know, and, and being around the group and trying to, you know, go to therapy for positivity. But like I said, you're with people that are committing, you know, suicide and that's, that's hard to hear. And then I have my therapist like, Oh, we had to need to call CPS on your mom. <laughs> so I was, it was those whole three years of getting my ready and everything was so in, intense. I, I honestly can barely really remember much of it because it was, it was very traumatic. I mean, I think, you know, we can all say it was, you know, not easy to go through something like that, you know, starting over and uh, kind of accepting, I think. And, you know, Michael, like you said, I, I wasn't like, you know, I wasn't a major athlete, but I played soccer for eight years. And what, it was funny because when I was, um, it was my first month of high school when I got sick and I was trying out for the soccer team. And I remember my second day of tryouts, I, I had asthma when I was younger, but I grew, I grew out of it. And I was actively playing soccer. I played for Arsenal, like a little club team. And I was trying out for my, uh, my high school team. And I remember on the second day, I literally felt like I was going to pass out. It, I was like, I can usually catch my breath. Like this has never happened before. But um, come to find out it was because the water in my lungs, it was, you know, keeping me from, you know, obviously being able to do any of that. So it was so hard. I was so active. If I wasn't, you know, when I wasn't playing soccer, I was basketball, softball. I was such an active person. So it was like, you know, going from that craziness of a life and then bam, it's like, you know, wait, I'm bedridden. <laughs> it's definitely hard. Yeah. Very hard. Yeah, I, I experienced that too, not being able to be um, active and with my three kids to see me. You know, so I tried to pretend or even fake, you yeah. know, well, I'm going to work out, you know, and you can't, you know, after yeah. Dallas, we don't have anything left. Um, no. And and just just be the mental aspect thinking, you know, when I was let's see, in 2017, my daughter was three, you know, so I'm thinking like, man, if I don't get a kidney, will I ever be able to see her go to prom? Or, you know, my two sons, they're 10, 6, and 4 now. Um, would I be able to see them graduate? Would I be able to see them play their sports? Because they are so active. Yeah. Um, you know, and just now being able to, and I'm being so much involved with them, coaching my 10-year-old's team and um, my, my 6-year-old, I, I see him as much as I can play. Um, and it's, it was just tough to see, like, when they would come in and my three-year-old at the time, my daughter, Miranda, she didn't know. And she was like, well, daddy, why don't you just take my kidney? You know? oh, yeah. and, 
you know, to try to, to try to still put on, you know, I'm okay, you know, face all the time and, and not really show them um, what's really going on was, was, was tough. Um, but, you know, I reached out to you and I saw she was 12 years and I was like, whoa, you know, I may have been maybe right at a year then or so. And, and still, you know, I was so self-conscious because I was always a, um, I always trained, always. Um, and, you know, once you go through dialysis, your whole, and get with kidney disease, your whole body just transforms. And I was so self-conscious. And, and I saw you and she was working out and training. I was like, wow. And I remember even asking, what's wrong with me? Can you tell me what I need to work on? You know, and that's how we met. And, um, because it plays with you mentally too. People just, you know, think, well, oh, you get a kidney, you'll be okay. But all of the um, mental aspects that come along with it, they don't get, people don't understand that, you know, it's a battle within yourself um, because you want to so much be back to where you were or even better. And they don't understand that all the, you know, well, y'all, you can go work out now. No, no, I can't. Not, you know, right now it takes, yep. you know, time. So. Yeah. Once they gave me the okay, um, I think this morning, I can see, made 275 straight days. I have not missed my workout with at least 30 minutes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, because I don't, you know, in the back of my mind, nope, it's not going to happen to me again. Yep. If I'm able to do 30 minutes, then I'm, I'm healthy. That, exactly. Exactly. So I, I 4.13 every morning, um, the 13th. It, it's funny, it was my number playing ball, and both of my sons, they're four years apart, were born on the 13th. Oh, wow. And, and now they wear 13, so at 413. Oh. oh my gosh, I love this. June 13th, 2013. Oh. <laughs> That's so awesome. This is That's like so a funny spot. I want us to take a pause. We're going to come back, and we're going to do, we're going to end our first episode right here. This is the perfect pause and when we come back what I would like to do is you brought up the perfect point the mental aspect how it messes with you how it changes everything so when we come back I would love to start up with what have you guys done to beat that and to keep going yeah yeah so I wanted to thank you both so much for joining me here and I look forward to our next conversation you too thank you so much thank you